The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith in the Sunday morning service at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. One of the things that sometimes slips us, uh, gets by us without us knowing it, is that in the New Testament, when it talks about commandments, some people think that commandments should never be a part of love. If you love somebody, you don't command them, right, ladies? And if you get commanded, you have a hard time loving the person who's commanding you these things. But guess what? In the Bible, it says, Jesus says over and over again, as well as the Father, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And that is because the commandments of God are expressions of his love to you. He has commanded you to do exactly what will bless your life and what will fill you with the ability to praise him and live for him and glorify him in all of life. Turn with me to uh, 1 John, and I'd like you to look at something in uh, 1 John that we've already looked at, but I just a phrase I want us to get, catch hold of. It's in, verse, it's in chapter 1 of 1 John, verse 5. Listen to what John says, what he writes. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, and this is the message, that God is light. Now, light is a, is a word that's used for God and for the Lord Jesus Christ over and over again. And it's, it's explained to us that this is the manifestation of the very life of God for us. And so he says, God is light. And, but then he says this, and there, is all, and there is no darkness at all in him. In other words, he never ceases to be what he really is. Wouldn't that be great to have a friend like that who is always presents himself, herself, as she really is or he really is. And so we know the person, and we don't have to worry about them pretending to be something that they're not. God is like that. He, he is light. But then it says in the next verse, in verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him, and fellowship is one of the great blessings of the Christian life. We have fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and with all of his people. Uh, you can go anywhere in the world right now and get into a and meet with other believers in a, a service where they're together to worship the living God, and they will treat you like you're a part of them. We are greatly blessed to be a part of the body of Christ. And uh, he tells us here that God is light and there's no darkness in him. And then he says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, if I claim to have fellowship with God and yet walk in darkness then I'm lying and I'm not practicing the truth. Walking in darkness is just walking as though you don't know the truth. Walking independently of the truth that God has revealed to us. And so he says, if, if we say we have fellowship with God and we're walking in darkness, we're lying. We're not telling the truth. Because fellowship with God always includes obeying his commandments. Now, if, you've got, if you have the idea that because we're not under law, that there are no commandments, let me just remind you of something. Remember what Jesus said when he told his disciples to go and make disciples of all the nations? And he said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe, to obey all that I have commanded you. For example, all of you wives, God has commanded your husband to love you the way that he loved the church. And he's also commanding you 
to honor your husband and to treat him as the Lord wants you to treat him as the leader of your household. That's probably harder than loving your wife, huh? <laughs> but that's what he's commanded us to do. That's one of his commandments. And you can think of some other commandments. For example, uh, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment of the Mosaic law? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. And he says, all the law, all the Mosaic law hangs on those two commandments. But now Jesus has said in John 13, I'm going to give you a new commandment. You know what the new commandment is? Oh, you better. This is really important. The new commandment is this. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another the way I have loved you. What's the difference? How has Jesus loved us different than we would expect? Well, he loved us so much, he laid down his life for us. It was a self-sacrificing love for us. And he says, I want you to love one another in the same way. And he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, there's, there's two commandments right there that we have been given as the people of God in this new covenant era. It's true, we're not under the Mosaic law. And we're not saying we're saved by keeping commandments, but we are blessed by keeping commandments because the commandments are all expressions of the love of God. This is what he wants in your life. You know how it is when you're raising kids? Some of you look like you've raised kids. Uh, you know what it's like when you're raising kids and you give them, you give them certain commands? And what you're wanting to see is God to bless them. You're giving them commands that you know are going to bless their life. And yet they can have the tendency of thinking that you're being too hard on them. When all you're trying to do is get them to experience what you want them to experience. I want you to be blessed. I want you to get to know what it's like to live a life under the favor of God. And that's how God is to us. His commandments... The reason we are encouraged over and over and over again to obey the commandments of God is not to put us under law. We're not under law. Being under law means that you are gaining your salvation or you are seeking to gain salvation through your works. We know that's not true, right? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has before ordained that we should walk in them. He doesn't want us to to obey the commandments in order to earn something. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be blessed. For example, when I told Dave Rush he should marry Cherie, that was because I really cared for him and I wanted him to experience something wonderful, which he has for how many years? 25 years. I still remember what you look like after 25 years. It's amazing. 25 years. And that was a great blessing, wasn't it? Now, I wasn't the one who gave you that commandment, but you have, obviously you got it from somewhere. And uh, I only encouraged it. You see, that's what God has done in giving us commandments. He is encouraging us to experience this relationship with him. And so this is what John is talking about in this section. He, he's talking about what kind of obedience it takes to be in fellowship with the Father. If the Father is light and you don't walk in light, if you don't walk in light, you can't have fellowship with him. Then what must we do to have fellowship with God? Now, fellowship means we share something in common with him. We actually experience a relationship with him as a father. Now, John describes the kind of obedience that characterizes fellowship with God 
in this section that we're looking at in, in 1 John 2. And he mentions three things. He says these are the three things that are always going on when you were having fellowship with God. The first is found in verses 3 and 4, and that is we are to be keeping his commandments. Keeping his commandments. That he has commanded us to do certain things. Now, some of them, if we get to talking, it's obvious that sometimes we think, oh, that's impossible. For example, God has commanded us to bless people. It actually says, did you know the Bible said, if you see a brother and he is in need and you have the means to meet that need, if you don't meet the need, you are living in disobedience to the head of the church. He wants you to notice what, God, what, God, what is going on in your brothers and sisters' lives and do all that you can do to encourage and help them. And I, I see that all the time. My wife doesn't like me to say this kind of thing because she says, they are doing that. She keeps defending all of you. They are doing that. Okay. Good. Praise the Lord. That's what he's talking about. We have to be keeping God's commandments in verses 3 and 4. In verse 5, it says we have to be keeping God's word. That's broader. The commandments are very specific, but they're usually found in the written word of God. You all remember 2 Timothy 3.16, right? It's a memory verse we all have. 2 Timothy 3.16. Remember that? All scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired of God, but it literally says God-breathed. It uses that expression because that's an expression of God's creative power, isn't it? He spoke things into existence. And so he brought the word of God into existence. So when you open your Bible, you're looking at the very creation of God. And so he says, to have fellowship with God, we have to be keeping his commandments And we also have to be keeping his word. He has given his word to us as a gift. And then third, in verse 6, he says that we have to be walking as Jesus walked. Now, the word walked always means lifestyle. We have to live the way Jesus did. This is great, great uh, therapy for us. Because you you know how you get pretty upset about some things that are going on in our culture? And you begin to talk to each other about it. Well, don't forget, if you go and listen to Jesus, he has a different take on dealing with people in need. He doesn't doesn't try to get them to go get a job. He blesses their life by telling them the truth and by passing on the truth to them. You remember the woman that was caught in adultery and she was brought before Jesus? And they threw her down at his feet and they said, we, we want you to, this woman was caught in adultery, we want you to cast the first stone. And what did Jesus say? Here's a quote you shouldn't forget. This is what Jesus said. He said, let him who has no sin cast the first stone. Now, wait a minute. The only one who didn't have sin there was Jesus himself. And so he asked her, he says, where are your accusers? And she says, they're gone. They're not here. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Now think about that a second. Why wouldn't Jesus, the very son of God, the one who knew her heart, the one who knew her life, why wouldn't he condemn her? Now a lot of scholars say, well, what it is is she didn't commit the sin. It was a trick. Because if she had committed the sin, he would have punished her. I'm sorry. That's not what the Bible teaches. 
It teaches that what he does, he looks to give you what you need. And if you need forgiveness, he is able to forgive you. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, and he is the propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? It means he's the one who can totally and completely satisfy the living God, the, the one lawgiver and judge in regards to our sins. So Jesus, at that occasion, he decided to exercise this right that he had. And he said, go and sin no more. And you think, well, that's not the gospel. I, I'm not asking you to tell your, your working partner that. Well, just go and sin no more. But this is Jesus. This is the Lord of glory who knows this woman's heart, who knows her life circumstances, who knows exactly how to get to her heart. And so he tells her, go and sin no more. Now, I don't have to defend Jesus. This is Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. So we can have confidence in him, in him can't we? Isn't it wonderful how Jesus wants to forgive people? He wants to give people life. We have a Savior who actually wants to give people life, sometimes more than you do. There are times when we come into situations where we find it hard to pour out our heart to somebody and say, let me tell you about how you can find forgiveness in Christ Jesus. And you might say, well, I'm a Calvinist, so I can't tell people that. Oh, well, why don't you say you're a Biblicist? I'm a Calvinist too, but I'm a Biblicist, and the Bible says that Jesus Christ is able to save any sinner who turns to him. That's, that's what he says. Now, I'm, I, believe me, I do believe in election, but that verse says, that, that Bible says, that God has the ability to give anyone who comes to him in faith eternal life, which is the capacity to know God. They can come to know God. And, and it's amazing when, what, when that happens, and how God bless your life. I remember, the, I remember several times when I've had the, that occasion where somebody puts their faith in Christ, and then they experience this deep down joy because they've been forgiven. And I don't look at their ears or something and say, well, let me see if you're elect. I just assume because they believed on the Savior that the living God had chosen to save them. And this is the way that, that these commandments are. They are the product of God. They are expressions of his love for his people. He wants you to, to receive what you will receive by keeping these commandments, which is he's, he's sending you down the right path. We were in Oakland uh, a while back, and when we left the hospital, we were there visiting, and we left the hospital, I turned on my GPS, and man, it took us the longest path home I've ever seen. It took us over on the other side of uh, the tunnel road or wherever it is, and we went on and on and on and on, and I thought, wow, what a convoluted way to get home. Let me tell you, Jesus knows how to get people to the right source. He knows how to get people to the living God. And he has placed you in the path of some people's life because he wants you to direct them to the Savior of the world. That's who you serve, the Savior of the world. And he is able to save the lost. And he wants you to tell them how they can be saved. And the Bible is really clear. It says the way that we can be saved is we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We put our faith in him. We hear the message 
the testimony of God, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, and I have given him eternal life to give to anyone who comes to him in faith and believes on him. And that eternal life will give them the ability to know God. He's done that, and he wants you to know that so that in your daily life, he's going to bring people into your life into, right, because they're right in your path, and he's placed them there for a purpose so that they will hear this gospel message from you. And you will have the greatest delight in all of life. There is absolutely, I can guarantee this, there's nothing in all of life that's as much a blessing as leading a person to come to living faith in Jesus Christ and receiving eternal life. It's the most blessed thing that I've ever experienced. There's nothing like it. I, I used to have a BMW motorcycle, and man, I love riding that thing until my partner just stopped riding. And uh, it was so much fun, you know, just the acceleration and all that stuff. It was just a kick. But it's nothing in comparison to telling somebody about Jesus Christ. It's absolutely nothing in comparison to that. That's the greatest privilege, the greatest experience in all of life is to communicate the truth about Jesus Christ to another human being who needs Christ. Now, the Bible says, For all have sinned and are continually falling short of the glory of God. That is, they, they fell into sin by being a descendant of Adam. When he sinned, we all sinned. But also, he says, we continue to fall short of the glory of God, that we don't live up to what God has called us to be. We don't keep his commandments, but he has a way of grace. And when we believe on him, he gives us eternal life. And that's what he wants you to be prepared to do, is to simply tell people in the simplest kind of way that you have discovered through your own life that you, it's possible for you just simply to turn to the living Christ, put your faith in him, and he will deliver you. He will deliver you. He gave you the breath in your lungs. You're, you know how you sing those, those songs? It's because he's given you the breath to sing them. Now, it's true, there may be times when you just don't have the breath to sing. <laughs> I understand that. But that's, who, that's what he's done. He's given you the capacity to, to worship him and live for him and receive the blessings of that. Now, I, I believe that leading a person to Christ is probably one of the greatest experiences in all of life. There's nothing like it. It's just a pure blessing. It's wonderful. And one of the commandments we have, Jesus said, Actually, it was Paul and Silas who said this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. And that jailer who had them in jail did that. He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was saved. And Paul experienced this incredible blessing of leading someone to Christ and then receiving eternal life. Now, see, that's what the commandments are about. The commandments are all about instructing you, commanding you, to do what is going to be the greatest blessing in your life. Now, I know how we are. I'm this way, too, is that there are things I like to do more than I like to do the stuff that God wants me to do, right? You have those kind of days where you, yeah, you know what God would have you do in this situation, but the fact is you've got something you want to do more. The second, the second, way of, uh, the second thing that has to be in our lives in order for us to have fellowship with God is this. It's found down in verse 5. Found in, yes, it is found in verse 5. It's having fellowship with God happens when we are keeping God's word. When we're keeping God's word. I have a Bible or two. You have a Bible or two, right? And you have them in a particular place. 
you know, you set them in a particular place and so forth. But what God wants us to do is to keep the word. That doesn't mean own it. I didn't register my Bible or anything. Uh, if you want to steal it, it's okay. But the thing is, I'm supposed to keep these, I'm supposed to keep his word. He tells me the truth in here. He tells me the truth about who Jesus is and who he is and who my brothers and sisters in Christ are. He tells me what he's done for me. He has justified me by faith. He's declared me righteous. He's made me have a righteous standing in his, his presence so I don't have to cringe and be afraid to talk to him. I can call him Father. One time a guy told me, if you want to know how to pray, here's all there is to it. Call him Father and tell him what you need. Well, there's a lot more to it than telling him what you need, isn't there? Maybe you're telling him what somebody else needs that you care about. But this is, this is what he has done for us. And so having fellowship with God means that we have to keep on keeping God's word in our lives. We have to obey it. We have to receive it. It's a gift from the Father. It's a gift from the Father. Do you guys like Christmas? We, and Christmas Eve is when all the kids open the gifts. It's kind of fun to watch that. But something I've noticed is uh, if you don't, especially as grandparents, if you don't get those grandkids what they want, they don't seem to be very happy about it. And see, that's how we are with God, isn't it? He's given us a gift. The Bible says that. It says that every Christian has a spiritual gift, an ability to relate to people and to communicate the goodness of God to them. That's what he says in 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, as each one of you has received a gift, use it as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, he wants you to be the one who gives the grace of God to others. And you can do that in all kinds of ways, huh? You can do that with words, primarily. You can also do, so do it with actions. First, in 1 Peter there, he says, what Peter says is, all of the spiritual gifts are either speaking or helping, or that is serving, expending energy. He just, the Apostle Paul gives you a list of 20 gifts. The Apostle Peter says, well, there's two kinds, speaking and serving. Don't you like his, time, his way better? You can remember that. All of a sudden, you have memorized the, the two basic kinds of spiritual gifts, speaking or serving. And so he says, use your gift as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. I know I've explained this a hundred times, but the word steward has to do with the person who is responsible for a household to get all that the people in the household need and then to dispense it to them. Now, in other words, in, that, in the first century, you had households where a very rich man would own a well, God gave them all their property, so that didn't pass on to other people. Uh, they, it was always theirs, and on the year of Jubilee, even if they had sold a use, the use of it for 10 years, it goes back to the owner. And so he would, hire a, he would hire a good steward. He would hire a steward who would pass out the resources that he would get for the people in the household, and that steward handed them out. Well, he calls, it, he calls it grace. This is what God's given you and me. He's given us grace in all kinds of forms. But he says he has gifted each believer so that they know how to dispense these, these, ex, these uh, examples of grace in people's life. Sometimes just saying, you know, I prayed for you today. I've been burdened for you. You know, that's, that's dispensing the grace of God. That's saying, I care enough about you that I actually ask the Father to bring blessing into your life. Or you see someone who needs 
someone to come alongside them, and you come alongside them, and you dispense God's grace. God has equipped every Christian to do that. There's no such thing as a Christian who doesn't have a spiritual gift. That's what the Bible says. First, Romans chapter 8, verses 9 and 10 says, if you don't have a spiritual gift, you don't belong to Jesus. So yes, all of us have a spiritual gift, and we have the Holy Spirit. And he gifts us in order to dispense God's grace into other people's lives. And he's talking primarily about other believers. He wants you to bless them, and he wants you to dispense the grace that God gives to you to do that very thing. There's a third way in which he says that we have to be experiencing in order to experience fellowship with God. It's, it's experienced only while we are walking like Jesus walked. I actually love this the best because don't you love to follow an example more than if somebody's saying, hey, why don't you come on over, I will, you go down, you go down here four blocks, you make a right-hand turn, you go two blocks down, you make a left-hand turn, and then they go on and on and on, and you say, hey, how about if I just follow you? Now you'd probably say, here's my GPS. And, but we have someone to follow. We are to walk the way Jesus walked. What does that mean? It means to, we're to live like he lived. How did he treat people? I'm telling you, this, it, it, it gets me. When I read the Bible, when I read the Gospels, the four Gospels, and I see how Jesus treated people, I'm overwhelmed by it. I'm overwhelmed by it. He, he manifests the grace of God in such clear and crazy ways for us. We would think, you shouldn't do that. Why would you do that? Why would you just give yourself to somebody to meet their need? Why do you do that? And you know, he has, there's actually a place in the Bible where it says, if you have a brother who is in need and you have the means to meet that need, that's what you're supposed to do. That's craziness, isn't it? Jesus wanted to meet people's needs. And so that's why he gave us these commandments, so that we would actually, when, in obeying the commandment, we are experiencing the very plan and purpose of God. This is what I want you to be. This is how I want you to live. And so he gives us his commandments. Now, don't get commandments mixed up with being under law. That's not what we're talking about. Being under law is when you think that if you keep the law of Moses, you'll be saved. Sorry, everybody's going to fail at that. No one's ever going to be saved by doing that. Because you can't. The difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant isn't that there, one has commandments and the other one doesn't. It's this. That the first covenant, the Old Covenant, under the Mosaic Law, they had commandments, but they didn't have a heart to obey. And you take a commandment of God applied to the life of a person who won't believe, and what do you have? You have death. But when you have commandments mixed with a heart that has been softened by the Holy Spirit and conditioned by the Holy Spirit, you receive that commandment, and you believe him. See, this is what I believe. If he commanded me to do it, he will, he will enable me to do it. If he commanded me to care about people and give of myself, he will empower me to do that. And you go, you think, well, I don't know about that. That seems like that would be impossible for you to do. I know what you mean. But that's what he does. He empowers us through the Spirit. He, he, he manipulates our heart. He gets our heart engaged. 
And, he's, and all of a sudden, we want to do the very thing that people would think, you would never do that. How would you ever do that? We had a guy, uh, one of the deacons in a church I used to be in, and uh, he was really a wonderful man, but he had a, he had a stingy streak that was incredible. <laughs> one time we, we voted to give a, a family some money because they were so in such hard shape just to give them a little pleasure. And we encouraged him, go buy, go buy ice cream, do something like that. Well, he, he wasn't in that meeting, but he saw them at Foster Freeze. And he got so upset that they took the money that we gave him as a church and bought him an ice cream and bought his kids an ice cream. You know why we shouldn't believe like that? It's because we have a Savior and we know what he's like. What is he like? You know, when people, when people go through things, Jesus became poor for us. That's what it says, doesn't it? He experienced poverty for us. He suffered for us. He knows what it's like for people to suffer and hurt. My dad, uh, when he was 14, he, came, he, he got on a freight train and came to California from Oklahoma. He was a part of that movement. <laughs> he got to, he got to uh, Bakersfield, and they, they took him off the train and put him in jail. Made him take a shower and all that. And then the next morning, they took him out. They took him to the edge of town, and they gave him, I think it was like, I don't know what it was, five bucks or something. And he took that money and bought some apples, and then he hitchhiked. He, he uh, got picked up. A guy picked him up and gave him a ride all the way from Bakersfield up to the San Joaquin Valley where his brother was. And uh, when they got towards the end, the guy says to him, here, take this. And he handed him a 10 or $20 bill. It, I think it was a 20 That sounds like a lot of money, though, because this had to be 1932 or three. But he gives him this bill, $20 bill, let's say, and he says, and my dad says, well, give me your address, and I'll send this to you as soon as I get a job. As soon as I get my first paycheck, I'll send this money to you. Well, he had shared his apples with the guy. And the guy says to him, no, I'm not going to give you my address. Just pass it on. You see, this is the thing about the Christian life. When you come to realize, when you come to actually know from the word of God how blessed you are, how God has poured his life into you, how he has poured blessing into your life, so far beyond what you could have ever imagined. He blessed you. And he wants you to be a conduit through which he's going to bless other people. That's what he's calling you to do. Well, what's the greatest blessing you could possibly give anybody? Well, if you told them the truth about what God wants them to do, and if you don't know what God wants them to do, let me tell you real quick. This is, God said from when Jesus was baptized, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then we're told what he wants us to do in regards to Jesus. He wants us to come to the place where we put all of our trust in him and stop trusting ourselves and say, Lord Jesus, I trust you completely because you have taken my place and paid for my sin, and I want that salvation that you offer, and I want the eternal life that the Father says he will give me so that I can understand him and you simply by believing in you. That's what he's called us to do, and that's why he's given us all these commandments. It isn't for you to get mad at him and say, you know, in, in, I grew up in a church where they had a bunch of extra commandments. They said they were gods, but I found out in the Bible they're not in the Bible. 
you know, about how you should dress and how people, how women should never cut their hair and, and wear short sleeves and that kind of stuff. And uh, I found out the Bible didn't say that. But he has told you things that are absolutely mind-boggling. He's told you, I want you to treasure this gift that I want to give to you. I want to give you a gift, eternal life, and it's free. And all you have to do is turn to my son and say, I trust you. I want this gift that you offer me. Isn't that something? That's what he's, that's what he's commanded you to do is to share that gift. He wants you to tell people. He wants you to tell people who are suffering, people, for example, who are, who are depressed. Hey, let me tell you, I have discovered after living for Christ a long time, there is a way to handle these kind of times. And it's turning to the one who cares all about me. It matters to him about you. That's, that's not just a song. There is a song called It Matters to Him About You, but that's actually a verse out of 1 Peter. Cast all your cares on him because it matters to him about you. And you know the word cares, which is worry, and the word matters are the same root. In other words, he's, it's a play on words. Well, he's worried about you. It doesn't mean that. He doesn't worry. But it means he cares. He actually cares about you. And you'd be surprised at the people he cares about all around you. I have a friend who went to a pastor's conference. I've told you this before. I have to say that because I know I'm repeating myself. But he went to a, this friend of mine went to a pastor's conference in Watts. And it was a bunch of big mega churches, but they were all in, in Watts. They were, they were mostly black churches, and, and they were, had suffered a lot of stuff. It was after some real upheaval. And he said, this guy got up and said, uh, who represented one of these churches, he said, we would never hire anybody on our staff who hadn't failed miserably. And so he goes to him afterwards and says, I don't understand, why, why did you say that? He said, we deal with such broken people. If they haven't experienced brokenness themselves, they'll never be able to relate to them. You know that's how the world is? You know that's, how, that's the population in the world we live in? They're broken people. And we have experienced what God can do with broken people. Don't you like that expression? Jack Miller, I used to quote him all the time. Cheer up, you're worse than you think. We really are, you know that? We really are. And it's so tempting when somebody criticizes you to defend yourself if you could just say, oh, you don't know the half of it. I'm really a lot worse than that. I've got so many weaknesses, so many shortcomings, I couldn't even tell you all of them. But I have a Savior. And this Savior is so amazing because he will take people that are totally broken and he will bring them to himself and give them life abundant life, and he'll empower them to experience the very life of God in their daily life. God's given you that privilege. That's why he's commanded you to be a witness. It's because he wants you to experience the joy of it. Sometimes we think what it is is that God's really mad at us and he keeps on giving us all these commandments just so that we will we'll, we'll, you know, demonstrate the fact that we're so broken. No, He's giving you these commandments because he loves you and he wants you to experience his rich, rich blessings. You want to receive them? He wants to give them to you. He wants to fill your life with his blessings. And so that you can say, God is, don't you love to hear people say that? God has been so good to me. 
He has blessed me in so many ways I can't even begin to tell you all of them. It's amazing. I have a person in my life right now who's like a best friend. And there used to be such animosity between us that we couldn't even talk to each other. But now I have a best friend who actually prays for me and cares about me. You know who did that? The God of the universe. The Lord Jesus Christ. That's who did that. And I want to tell you, that's, that's why he wants you to obey his commandments, because he wants to bless your socks off. He wants to fill you with such rich blessings that you can hardly contain it. So I'm going to pray for you. Our Father, we thank you that you have given us so many commandments. At times, it's, it's mind-boggling because we know that we can't do them in our own strength. And you keep telling us, I know. But I can give you the power you need. So I pray, Father, that this week we would experience your rich, rich blessing. Surprise us. I pray you'd surprise me and those who don't really expect to, to experience one of those things. I pray that you just come into their life situation and fill them with a need that only you can fill. And fill them, Father. Bless them, we pray so that they had come to know that it's the truth, that you really do want to bless your people in a magnificent way. Thank you for all of your commandments. Thank you, Father, for your love for us and the way that you have, you have worked in our life to point us in the right direction. We are so grateful for that, Father. And so we ask that you would do this for the glory of your son, the one that you said he was your beloved son. And so we ask that you would Bless your beloved son through us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. To respond to this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.